Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, <laughs> if I had a million dollars... Well, I'm Action Jackson. Tomorrow, we're on the board. A couple of minutes later, Chicago traffic and construction is always good. The, uh... I just wish every time I saw something closed off, I actually saw somebody working. But I guess it's too much to ask for as a, as a citizen. Do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning. The uh, S&P futures are up, uh, let me see, they're up 15. And the, he's ahead of the labor numbers today. And which is uh, interesting because the um, labor numbers are, because we've had two bad numbers this week. Uh, well, low, probably say slowing numbers. Not, not bad numbers if you're in the market, because we've decided to, to change the market from the rest of society, Kevin. We decided this a while ago. <laughs> Decades ago. Decades ago, it seems. And so now uh, the, the, the mantra is we're going to get a crummy number today. And then when we do, that means the Fed is going to be able to uh, pour more money into the system because we got to save, you know, we're going to save things. So they're going to put more money in the system, and then we're going to... Uh, have the market come flying up and really don't care where anything else lands. That's that's the that's the story because uh, that appears that's what they've done now for however many decades, and that's the plan again. So uh, we're gonna yeah, well, watch watch the number come in at like twenty five jobs created, and then we'll get the announcement out of the administration that we have yet another month of job creation. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know, we'll have, obviously we'll have Caroline to go through this, but you know, in a way, I'm being a little, a little cynical, a little tongue in cheek, but in fact. That's that's the plan. I mean, <laughs> that is the idea. I mean, we just came through, for lack of a better term, a depression during COVID, and the market went straight up because, and everybody feels that the that the Fed will just pour more money in because we've got this idea. As long as we keep the nominal numbers up there, we don't care about the real numbers because, for whatever reason, as a population, we believe this crap, or or can't do anything about it, one one or the other. Well, it, it's can't do anything about it, but it's also just people, pretty much, uneducated. It, it, it's it's really the, it's it's disappointing that it's come to that, but um, it, you know between the uh, uh, the lack of knowledge of how things work and the lack of critical thinking around what the, uh, what is thrown at us. Um, but you know I spend a lot of time in the classroom talking about the dif- difference between data and information, the difference between information and knowledge, and most people catch on to that after we've discussed it but it's a new concept to you know many people and this is and it doesn't matter whether it's working adults or whether it's uh, you know kids coming out of high school um, it, it, you know this this idea that um, you know that the numbers aren't what's the, the numbers just teach you to ask questions <laughs> they don't they, they don't they don't they aren't answers under unto themselves 
Well, that's right, and it's it's, I, but, I, but you know, the political system is uh, yeah, I, I'm it's probably the best one any any country has probably, but it it really is not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's gummed the whole thing up, Kevin. But it doesn't. The actual functioning of the judicial system, all the systems, bear no resemblance to the the, the sort of fair play, independent doctrine that we were taught as kids. Of course, nobody don't t- teach kids anything. I don't know, but the uh, I mean, it, it, you just look at the way the judicial system works. You look at the way the political system works. You look at the incredible amount of outside influence and in other in elections in certain areas, and you look at the uh, the people in Congress, how much money they make. You look at the fact that corporations don't die, like people do. So people can't really influence Congress for a century, but a corporation can. And is there anybody here who thinks that that the regular person is getting a fair play by any of these systems? I mean, just just if you ever get sued by anybody, if you have an arbitration or anything, the the, the cost of the, the cost puts you out of business or, or make you broke. I mean, I, I mean, I. I'm no Trumper at all, but the fact that the guy's got forty million dollars in legal bills, which of course he doesn't pay, but how, how could any individual be? Poor, be yeah, well, make sure that he's going to pay them. He hasn't paid anybody else. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, how does any individual have, have to do that to defend himself? And if he ends up being not guilty, he's just not guilty. I mean, it's like the biggest fine ever given anybody, <laughs> just to prove, you know, to prove. I, I don't know if he is not. I have no idea. I mean, I'm not going to be on the jury, but that's why you have a jury. But I don't. I don't. The whole system absolutely is is screwed up in, in in so many ways. You know, if if you sue somebody and they, uh, you know, and it's so egregious when you win, they they can give you legal fees from the other side if you if you counterclaim. But if the government comes after you because they don't like you or whatever reason, and you, and you're found not guilty, you don't get anything back from them, even if it's somebody's vendetta against you. I mean, it, it's just wrong from every 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 place you look. It's like it's like wrong. <laughs> I mean, I even the simple stuff, the little stuff. You drive you drive around here. Everything's under construction and nobody's working because we can only have three companies. Um, you know, I would go back if I was mayor tomorrow. I would I would stop every construction. I would wherever, wherever we can. I'd stop every single one, I'd, and I'd and I'd re- redo every single bid. And I'd want to know every single person working here. If we even had a frigging lunch. From one of these people to put these things together, I'd fire them tomorrow. Well, and, and to give you an idea, um, construction around here, uh, because Notre Dame has so much of it, they tend to suck up all the all the local construction resources. It's like you know, it's like an annuity. They might as well they might as well be owned by the university in 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 many ways. So when when there are other significant projects, they have to bring people in from out of town. But they do bring people in from out of town. Um, whether they're going to Northwest Indiana, whether they're going to a Fort Wayne company, it doesn't matter. They, uh, you know, they do make it a point to uh, um, to be able to do the job. You don't have to single thread through the construction companies. And I, I don't know why Chicago uh, feels like it has to do everything with uh, with these local businesses. Now we do we do see some heat once in a while where you see uh, unions complaining about bringing it in, but. You know, all their people are working. They're just being unions. Well, I mean, the the idea of of having they have they have so many jobs going on here, but there's 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 the idea that you have ten people working on a bridge is is 
is, is incredible. I, I just don't know how we got to this. Well, I, I, I what, what they're doing to the city is what contractors do to individuals, what small contractors do to individuals. They, take, they have more business than they can handle. Um, and so they try to keep everything moving a little bit and try to have all their clients not too pissed off at any given time. A little pissed, okay. Um, but, you know, we'll get to your kitchen, and then, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday they're off on another job, and you don't see them again until next week. Um, but then they come back in, and they make a little progress, and say, see, we made some progress. And, you know, you're kind of stuck in, in this cycle, and that's real common for contractors when it comes to, you know, the average, uh, the average schmuck. Uh, it sounds to me like that's what they're doing in Chicago. <laughs> well, they're just, I just they're, they're they're making a little progress here and there, but they're just keeping uh, you know all of the projects at at a level of uh, at a drag it out level of annoyance, um, and there's not enough annoyance to uh, uh, to cause any real trouble for them. Well, I've, I've never seen anything quite as bad as this Kennedy thing. I mean, it's it's like the expressway is closed, and every every side street at night for till seven o'clock, you can't even go down. It just, I mean, Which it's I'm a, sure is great for the people in the neighborhood, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's just spectacular. But what we're saying is, is I don't see how, the, to me, the political system right now is, is totally non-responsive on, on just about any level. I mean, I, w- I would say that is there, what is the percentage of people in this country that want a Biden-Trump rematch? Can it be five? And yet, that's probably what we're going to get. I can't imagine that it's that high. I mean, I mean, and yet, th- is that what we're going to get? Yes. And that's probably what we're going to. I mean, does anybody think? I mean, uh, what? Do, what although, do we, although I have this feeling that DeSantis is going to surprise in Iowa, and it might get everybody, everybody in a dither. It might get people starting to take a second look. Is there any chance the Republican Party can go with a lady? I, I, to me, Nikki Haley is way more qualified than DeSantis. Why do you say that? Um, she has a little more experience. She seems to have much more common sense. More, more, more experience at what? She was a governor, and she was a, an international. She was an ambassador to United Nations, so she knows the world stuff better. Okay, and um, uh, DeSantis was. He's a governor. And I have no idea what else. I don't like the guy at all, so I don't. I don't think. Well, okay, it. but but you're saying he's, he's more experienced. I think, I think she. I think That's she is. Right. I think she he was. He, he was a congressman. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, that that I give, I don't know what I give that. And and he's a veteran. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't take this as an endorsement. I I've got my problems with him too, but don't say he's not. Don't say Nikki Haley has you know this quantum level of experience. Or or any more experience that's more substantial than what he has in his background. I would say that's, that it's the, just not true. I would say the ambassador of the United Nations is is way more. Than being a congressman, I don't know what they do. Other, than, you know, I mean, it don't it appear. If you, I'm sure, if you're there and you try and put your nose at a grindstone, there's a lot of work for you to do. I also think there's people there that don't do anything. We have people in this area that have been there for years. I don't think they've never done a thing. Okay, so what do you what do you know about DeSantis's record in Congress? You, I'm I'm saying it's nothing, Tom. I'll just answer that for you because you didn't know he was a congressman. I, I, you know, I'm, so so you know, so let's let's not. Blame that on being a woman. I don't think. In there's fact, I, I, in fact, I, I, I just don't know where that comes from. I, I, I'll tell you exactly where it comes from. Right now, in, in a lot of the universities here, as Jessica's telling me at DePaul, the, the Republican Party has become, in a lot of ways, the, the, Repu- the party of the manly men. And I don't think I don't think they're ready. Well, I'll tell you why I feel this way because 
I read probably six different because I actually watched the, the debate all the way through. I did that. I have no idea. And I, I read the probably what's wrong with you. I know. I actually read like six, uh, whatever reviews of the debate and who won and who lost. It was like she wasn't even there. She's she's in, she's in that. Oh fact. boy, I've heard all kinds of stuff about how Nikki Haley, uh, you know, did really well. Oh, I've heard lots maybe, of reviews about that. What uh, are you watching? I, I, no, I was reading it. I just, I, you know, what are you reading? Uh, I don't know. I read like about six of them. We must have read different ones. I would say so. Yeah. But you know, I don't. It's it's a long time through. But my point is, is it is it the we're not getting any sort of a response. We're not. There, there's no way that we can. It appears to me that we can't get any kind of real change through the ballot box because somehow or another, there's somebody behind the people that are running, and I don't know who the, I don't know who the person is. I mean, we flip from. Uh, the the old fart Republican guy to the old fart uh, Democratic guy is the head of the Senate. What did it change? Nothing. It's not changing anybody's life at all. It's the same crap. Money going to just money going to people that seem to give them money. Yeah. So uh, what I really think is we need um, the uh, person, uh, you know, the personnel equivalent in Congress, especially uh, of a colon cleanse. <laughs> we yeah. got to get these people out of there. But um, but it, and, and and yet. And yet, we all complain about it, and then they go get reelected. I think. I think the, is, the so issue. So I guess you know, uh, voters are to blame. Well, you, uh, now, you know, be... maybe maybe they're not because they're not getting a choice. You know, a, a, a different choice. But you know, at some point, now there have been a, a few like congressional districts and the occasional surprise Senate or governor, like in in Virginia, where where there is. You know where people do vote for a change, they do vote for something different, but it is—I don't see a groundswell of that happening yet. Well, plus the, you, you don't even know if you're going to get what's what's different. I mean, people thought they were going to vote; they were going to get something totally different with Obama. It was going to be the second coming of John Kennedy. The guy was co-opted in two weeks. Oh, the, no! The guy was co-opted before he was in the Senate. Okay, whatever. I'm saying, but it, the, the, and and anybody who anybody in the in Illinois had to know that. Oh, all right. If you didn't, it was their plain as day. And and, we, and and then we voted for Trump, which is the we the com- country voted for Trump, which which is obviously a tremendous change. And even that didn't change anything. I, I think I think the control is not in the. I guess my point here, what I'm making very clumsily, is that somehow or another, the control of what's going on is is away from the ballot box, which is very troubling to me. Yeah, and in Trump's case, these are all all people he appointed. I, I just they, 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 you know so he he had his opportunity. But here's my here's my he question about He had his opportunity Trump. and he deferred. What if um, what if he? I guess my question, Kevin, we'll never know the answer, is if he would have gotten in there and even though I didn't like the guy going in because I heard so many stories about him not paying people and stuff like that. What if he'd have gone in and I and I was totally wrong about the man and it turns out he really was a, you know a, a Solomon laying, laying in the weeds. And he gets in there, and all of a sudden, he actually tried to do all the right things. I'm not so sure that the bureaucracy and the money behind the thing in the Senate and the Congress, or Senate and the House, I don't think I don't, I don't even think you can accomplish anything, even if you were the right guy, if there is such a thing as the right guy. I don't. Well, I don't th- they, they certainly would have resisted. Yeah, to to the point where. But but that doesn't exonerate him for hiring oh, as right, right. chief I mean, of staff the uh, uh, the head of the RNC. Because what'd you expect you were going to get there? 
it doesn't exonerate him from putting Chris Ray in the FBI and then bitching about how the FBI treats him. It, you know, all of those kinds of things, and that's that's his problem. Uh, you know, for that's his political problem. You know, you you can have you can have issue with his personal stuff too, but that's his political problem. Is he was just a dumbass. I I, I get that. What I'm saying is, I'm I'm, I'm trying to trying to imagine what things would be like if he would have been different if things would have been any different would would Pfizer still not control <laughs> appears to control the FDA and these other places and a couple of these other play, guys would that would he have been capable of de- even if even if he was Moses you know could he have stopped that could he could, could he have made a difference i don't know the answer to that Kevin I mean, and we'll never know cuz we're not going cuz he's obviously can't do it and this guy's not going to do it so i mean in our lifetime are we ever even going to know if anybody can actually yeah, I, I don't know, but I but I do know that uh, that when he appointed Alex Azar, it was over. Yeah, I, I'm just, you I'm know, just what w- was he CEO of Merck? Yeah, and that's the guy we're going to put in charge. That's the guy who's going to be uh, um, you know in, in charge of the uh, HHS. Well, you know, and, I- and 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 then and then we get this this whole COVID vaccine rollout. Gee, you know, where was the best friend of the pharmaceutical industry? You know, this isn't a guy making a change. Hell, he brought in, um, you know, uh, Scott Atlas uh, late on his COVID task force team and gave him a voice and then still let Burks and Fauci run wild. Well, Kevin, did I... not, you know, he brought him in because they needed to make a change. They needed to make a change, of course, and then he didn't make a change, of course. I mean, this is, you know, look, I, I don't know what would have happened. You're exactly, you're asking a good question. What would have happened if he was what he was supposed to be, what he supposedly was going to be? What would have happened? I don't know. But I know that there was no chance to find out because he just didn't do it. Well, I, I'm uh, unfortunately, and, and that is the one thing is if he does get reelected, we might see that you know, as part of the revenge tour, uh, you know that a lot of heads are going to roll. I don't know that for a fact, but we may see that as part of the revenge tour, um, which which you know, as a way of operating the government may would not necessarily be the most productive thing for the country, but it probably would be entertaining. Well, we got to have to break here, but just the reason why I, I'm, I'm on this kind of subject is there's always, there's always lifestyle, life experiences that put people in a certain spots. When I was elected to the uh, board of the CBOE, we could see the, the winds of change in the sense that big companies wanted essentially people to, to uh, pay them off in many different ways. They saw money, people were being made on the trading floor in a competitive place. In their mind, that was their money. They had no. We we had we, the regular schmucks on the trading floor, had no business making that kind of money. That was their dough, in their mind. And I spent six years pushing against this salmon going the wrong way. At the end of six years, Kevin, it didn't matter whether I was there or not. I might I might as well have not even done any of that, and, and just worried about my own business. And I and, it, and, it, and it's very frustrating. I mean, I don't know that. If you went to Congress, I mean, if Paul Simon or anybody, I won't say some of the people that aren't legit, if somebody legit was there, went there for senator for the next, you know, however many say he goes three terms, I don't have a clue whether the guy can do anything. You, you're going to get a small victory here and there, but somehow or another, there's, it, it reminds me exactly of where the, the, the open outcry, not, not necessarily the open outcry, but the competitive market-making business went. People in the, don't want it competitive. 
these people want to control a place. I don't, I don't see how the hell you're going to turn utilities around. You're going to turn. I mean, I, I look at yesterday the, uh, in, in, in my, in, again, this is this is not supposed to be a, a political show, but I look at the prices yesterday, and we'll, well, we can go a minute over break. What's the difference? Uh, I look at Costco. Costco is up to a 39 times earnings. Now I look at Lululemon. It's 49 times earnings. Now they had earnings last night. Where the hell? Where were they trading here this morning? I'll find it. They're up eight bucks. Uh, so and I, I look at these. These. The only way you can possibly justify, in any stretch, these numbers, Kevin. I'm not telling anybody to buy, sell, or whatever like that. The only way you can justify them is if, with COVID being like the worst perpetrator, if you're to the point where there's only going to be Costco, Walmart, Home Depot, a couple other places, and everybody else is out. The, and they can charge whatever they want to anybody and raise prices willy-nilly, and, and you have no... There, there's only two ways to look at this. One is they're ridiculously expensive, and one of these days the Fed will stop pumping money in and they're all going to go down by 50%, which I really don't want to see happen. But the other was, what could you possibly... How do you think that a, a firm like Walmart should be trading 35 times earnings or something? How the hell can they double... The only thing they can do is one day decide, boy, we have such power. Let's just go up. Let's just raise our prices 20%. What's anybody going to do about it? We're going to still get 90% of the people here because they have nowhere else to go. I mean, it, that, is that where we're, we're We're at that point. They don't even, maybe they're not even acting like they have that kind of power right now, but they do, Kevin. They do. And is there anybody having this conversation in the political world? No, God, no. Not, not, if, not if you... Not if the and guy. And is there anybody having conversations about privacy, uh, no. about uh, you know about, about things that matter and that affect real people? Um, and the answer to that is no. And you know, we go back to what I was saying about uh, you know the people that Trump hired. Is there anybody out there who is giving you any idea of what what the team is going to look like? If 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 I get elected, this is what uh, what my team's going to look like. I, uh, so we don't know who we don't know who they're going to hire. We don't know any of that. We don't even know what their hiring criteria is. The closest thing we ever got was when Trump released the uh, list of judges, which was actually a good move. The, you know, the, his his list of people where he would be selecting judges. I thought that was that was a good move. I wish more people would do that um, because I really want to know, um, you know, who they're going to bring in government. I, I said this the other day that. Uh, um, that I, I, you know, we we you sit in that debate and you listen and say I did this and I did that, you know, my, I'll give my kingdom for someone who who, who stands up and says my team, my, yeah, I have a yeah. great team and they did this because that's how things happen, and I don't even know who they're going to put on the team, let alone how they're going to you know uh, how they're going to uh, delegate to them. Uh, well, I know they, Trump delegated everything to some really crappy people. Well, because he didn't want to do anything either. But anyway, SP Futures up 16, NASDAQ Futures up 31. We had the big uh, labor numbers today. We'll be set for those with Carl and in one hour. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right there. Hello, and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom on the board. SP Futures up 15. NASDAQ Futures up 29 ahead of the labor numbers. We've been up all week. Uh, we've had two uh, sort of the jolt numbers were showed uh, labor softening a little bit and we had the ADP numbers so softening as well so we'll see if if today it comes through uh, with that um, we'll, you know you never you never they don't really match sometimes but uh, I'm starting to see some layoffs now if you see layoffs I mean, Carl probably tell us they won't come until next month's numbers but anyway he'll, he'll go through all that stuff for us later so I'm not gonna dive that way we got the Nikkei up 91.3 percent Hang Seng was closed I think he uh, um, hurricane was coming at the place or something, so they closed. That was weird. Uh, Shanghai up 13 bucks, 0.4%. Over in Europe, these guys were uh, slow yesterday, but today we got the DAX down one, call that flat. FTSE up 47, however, 0.6%. CAC around up 21.3%. Uh, yesterday in the U.S., we were 
well, I talk about a, a slow and choppy day. The Dow was down 168. Uh, S&P was down 7. NASDAQ, the Dow was up at 150 in the morning, which is kind of odd. But again, because individual stocks in there, every time a stock moves in the Dow, a dollar, it's like 6.5 to the average, 6.5 or 7. So one, one stock going up or down 10 bucks can make a huge difference in just one stock. NASDAQ up 15 uh, yesterday, so that was 0.1%. So I'll use the term an inside day. Uh, bonds, uh, unchanged at 4.10. The bond unchanged, 2.48. Japan uh, down two basis points to 0.63. We got oil continuing. It's run up another 90 cents, 84.53. That's a full 1%. Ran up 93 cents. That's uh, another 1%, 87.76. So oil's been up five, six bucks now in the last couple of weeks. No, so it's a big move. And uh, the uh, oil set to snap two-week losing streak on tightening supplies. It's not just a snap and a losing streak. They've been up all week. Natural gas down two cents, two seventy-four. Arbob up two cents, two fifty-eight. We've got gold up five seventy to nineteen eight seventy-one. Uh, silver up twenty cents, back up over twenty-five. Again, every time in the last few years, it got over twenty-five. Whack whack. We'll see if it breaks through this time. Copper up six cents, three eighty-four. We've got Bitcoin down one sixty-seven, twenty-six thousand zero two six. And the U.S. dollar, which has been uh, somewhat buoyant, with the euro is back is at one oh eight. The pound is at 126, so the dollar, even though there's no movement yet here this morning ahead of these numbers, it's been strong the last couple of days. Uh, Andrew, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is 6.42 here in Chicago on September 1st. Uh, starting off with some sports, it's got a game coming up later today. Actually, it's two games. Uh, first of all, the Cubs are going to be playing the Reds at 2.10, and then once again at 5.40. And finally, the White Sox are going to be playing the Tigers over at 7.10 p.m. tonight. Over to Chicago weather, it's currently 60 degrees right now. Gonna be a cooler one today. We're gonna have a high of just 80. That's gonna hit around 5 p.m. Sunny skies as well. Over in Phoenix, they currently have cloudy skies, 81 degrees, and they're gonna have a high of 93 today. Looks like a slight chance of rain hitting about 43% around 2 p.m. is gonna be the high. Now finally for Chicago traffic, uh, looks like a little bit heavier than the usual Friday. Uh, we got some red areas, a bit of slowdowns around, uh, if you're coming down the Eisenhower, it's around 17th Avenue. Veers up a little bit and it gets a bit heavier uh, once again near Independent Boulevard. Uh, and of course on the Kennedy, uh, if you're coming inbound, expect delays near that construction. Specifically, some slowdowns near Irving Park Road. But other than that, looks about business as usual today. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, Kevin, if I had a... Actually, there's always a reason why I, I'm not... I'm not real big on DeSantis because I heard him in an interview last week <clears throat> when he was uh, the questionnaire, whatever the questionnaire was, uh, said, what do you think of, uh, like, Jay Powell? And he says, well, you know, he let this inflation get away on, on his watch. So he would essentially ask for his resignation or not reappoint him. But I think, I think it's a not reappoint because he's only got, like, another year or two left. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there listening to this going, the only real problem I have with Jay Powell is that he does exactly what the government, the, the people there want him to do, seemingly against, <clears throat> seem, I mean, it's obvious to me, against his own wishes, then comes out and, uh, and gives us a lot of gobbledygook about why it's the right thing to do. I can't, if I can think of one person, I don't know why I have this impression of the dude, that has as big an ego as Trump, it's, it's DeSantis. I can't imagine a Fed chairman not doing what he wanted him to do. Does anybody think that, that Powell wanted to inflate the place? Does anybody think that when he first got the job, all he did was try and cut back on the, on the money supply growth, 
and we had the the, temp, the taper tantrum, and all of a sudden, the, the he had the big dinner at the White House, and he comes out, and he's just been pushing money into the system ever since. Does, any, does anybody well, think? They, no, continue to push money into the system ever since. Well, but he he actually when he first came in, tried to pull it back and with to disastrous results in the market, but you know for for a little while it probably would have been okay in the long run, but now in, the, in other words, I can't imagine DeSantis. Here's where my, my problem is. I can't imagine anybody really putting somebody in that spot who's going to be their own man. Where the, the, the day you come Which up, is what you need. You need somebody to say, that's fine. Go ahead and spend this money, Congress, but you better raise taxes because you ain't getting it from well, but, me. But, but none of these, nobody, I don't think, that in human events, I'm, I guess I'm the same way. Uh, I don't know that I would be so anxious if I was the head of the police department to put somebody in there, an internal affairs guy, that, that could tell me to go pound sand. Everybody wants to control everything. No, no, nobody, no, I mean, Carter was backed into, the, into a wall, and that's why he put, you know, what's his name in there? Uh, the guy, the uh, V, the uh, chairman, Volcker. He was backed into a wall, he sort of had to do that. Just like Mayor Daley, because they saw people hauling uh, crates of stuff out of a warehouse that were policemen, was forced to go outside and get O.W. Wilson. Who, who totally was on his own. Daly couldn't stand that, and neither could the police. He actually was in charge, and Daly couldn't touch him. No, Nobody wants to do that. And I'm going to say that DeSantis has got as big an ego as any of these people, if not bigger. There's no way he put somebody in that spot that he doesn't feel he can call and say, what are you doing? I'm just saying. I, that's one man's opinion. I don't, I don't think many people are capable of actually putting somebody under him in a spot where they can't touch him. Right, and 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 I, I again, I understand if you don't like DeSantis because of that answer. What was Nikki Haley's answer? Because you love her. I don't. I'm surprised. I, I don't think she would do it either. <laughs> I'm just saying. So so what are what are we so looking? Let's, let's move on to the next distinguishing issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know let let's figure that out. Well, I'll tell you um, what. She, but like she, I said, I, I that's that's one example of the reason why know, I, I, what, I'm what on would her. be the kind of person. That he would put in there. That's not, you know. I don't care about what his what his opinion of Powell is. I want to know what kind of person somebody, is he going to put in, in that spot when he when he makes a change. He's, he's going to put just somebody, like I would ask the same thing about who you're going to put in your cabinet. He's going to put somebody there that he feels he can control when push comes to shove. That's not going to if he puts some kind of tax cut bill out there. The Republicans love to do, and, and I'll, I'll bash him for that, and, and say that over ten years you're going to get more money or some crazy crap like Trump put through. He's not going to want somebody to go to the next news conference of the Federal Reserve and say, what do you think of the of the president's new tax bill? And the guy goes, I think it sucks, and oh, by the way, I'm not helping him out by putting money in the system. He doesn't want that. Nobody does. I'm just saying. I mean, it's, 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 it's right. actually, and, and again, this is, this is also a conversation we've had. We need the candidate out there who can, uh, who can say, we have to start taking our medicine. Yeah, well, and and make it palatable to voters. Actually, because that's, you're not you're not going to get support unless you can do that. That's why I'm on uh, Nikki Haley's team for the moment. Because when they were talking about the deficits at the debate, she said the deficit is just as much our fault as it is the Democrats. So quit quit blaming the Democrats. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I thought that was a, a really good answer. Just like uh, you know that that uh, the song the fellow wrote. Uh, um, Oh yeah, Richmond, north of Richmond, and the Republicans tried to gl- glom onto that, and he goes, "No, I mean you too." <laughs> oh yeah, hey, uh, speaking of which, um, I'm reading this thing: for a single person just to get by 
at every state right now. Mind you, uh, that the, the the median income for a single person is in the high 30s, maybe 40. I think the high 30s is a little low, but say, say 40, 41. I'm running down the list of people here. You don't want to be a median person in Hawaii. 112 grand to live annual living wage for a single person. So um, what's the median? It, really, the the question that goes with that though is that what, don't look at the national median. What's the median wage of people who live in Hawaii? Well, I I, I get that, but I'm saying and. and, and and I have a feeling it's not much higher than the national. <laughs> but here, here is some of the stuff is surprising, uh, Kevin. Uh, Idaho fifty eight six, Illinois forty nine three, Indiana forty nine eight. It's actually, I mean, I, I guess if you pull up Chicago, Indiana, and Ohio are basically even. So is Iowa. So they're on the they're in the forty eight forty nine range. Kentucky's forty seven. Louisiana. I, I guess I wouldn't have guessed Louisiana was higher than Indiana, but it, but it is fifty. Uh, Maine sixty. Maryland 67, Massachusetts 87, then you get down. Mississippi is almost as high as, how, did, how is Missouri as high as Illinois or Indiana? But, but they are. Montana's 57, so evidently you better be getting more than Social Security if you live up there. Uh, Nevada, 58, New Hampshire, 62, New Jersey, 64. Um, but it's the, the living wage is, is, I think, a lot higher every single state than the than the median national average. There isn't one here that's, I don't see anybody below. Who would you guess would be your lowest? And it probably isn't. New York is uh, 73, uh, North Dakota 52, Ohio 50, or Oregon 65, I wouldn't guess that. Pennsylvania 53, Rhode Island, there's, there's, there's nobody here under 40. The lowest one is, let me see, uh, I'm going to say Illinois probably is. No, it's, oh, here we go. Oklahoma is 46. That's probably the lowest on the list that I can see here. So I guess you can go to Oklahoma and live for 46, Missouri 47. It's not uh, the uh, Kentucky 47. So there's a few in in the 47 range, but no, nobody. I don't see anybody popping in here at 25 or anything. Do you? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I don't think so at all. No, I don't. Th- I don't think so at all. So what we're really saying is, you can't make it if you know if you're in the middle of the pack. No, we are. We are. Uh, we are pushing. Uh, the middle class into the lower class. Um, we, uh, lar- large, large portions of it we're pushing into the lower class. The, uh, it, it, I guess my question, Kevin, I, you know, I look at at the, uh, well, I look at the economic the economic rules that you know. I guess I spent too much time in class learning. They're they're no good anymore, Kevin, because when when every 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 one of the dudes or dudettes uh, that I had for class. Uh, would say, based on these assumptions, assume an oligopoly, assume a monopoly, assume a free market. Where, where can you even? I'm not even sure what what the different, even the the normal supply and demand curves right now. I think they're all tainted. I don't. I don't know of any other than probably still agriculture, barber shops, maybe maybe bars and restaurants, depending. Uh, I don't. I can't. I don't. Can you even think of a of a competitive situation where you can say, uh, you know, without some kind of massive market power someplace in, any, in virtually any industry? I mean, you look at you, you. You can't say that the Tripoli Tap is a competitor to McDonald's. It may might be on that block, 
Well, if you see, I, I, I read somebody said they went through, I, I forget what fast food place it was. I don't think it was McDonald's, but I sort of imagine that it's, uh, it's the same thing. Um, that, that maybe it is a competitor in McDonald's given the price of, of McDonald's or, or uh, fast food places in general lately. Well, but I'm saying so much of it has to do with uh, marketing power, location. I mean, what would, what would have to happen for you to be driving through, I'll pick a state here, Arizona, and you, and you need something, and you pull off. Now, granted, some of your gas stations and so forth now are, are selling some kind of, you could get something out of the place, and you can probably get a coffee and a Coke. But by and large, that, that McDonald's or someplace, because everybody knows they got clean bathrooms, I mean, and they've done a nice job. I'm not bitching at McDonald's. I mean, what what could they do and just raise prices across the board tomorrow or, or find the ones, maybe maybe they leave the Big Mac where it was or raise it a little bit and take the dollar menu and make it a buck eighty or something. How how would that even ever get into the CPI? And be, and how what would it take for you to get back on the expressway and say, well, I still need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I uh, I sure could use a burger, and a, but, but these guys are too expensive. I'm going to hope the... The next, the next one has a burger chef, and I'm going to get it a little cheaper. It's not going to happen, Kevin. I mean, the, the, the pockets of power are, are, are amazing. In a smaller town you have, what would it take? I mean, I, I think in Chicago, if you think you got reamed at the Walmart, which you probably would never thinks, you, can, you, you could go to the Target. You could go to a bunch of other places. What if you're in you know, Racine, Wisconsin, and it used to be a Kmart, and now it's a Walmart or something? What would it take for you to drive 40 miles and say that this Walmart's getting too expensive? I'm going to go to the Myers 30 miles away. I mean, it's it. We have the at, at four bucks a gallon. You're yeah. not saving any money. No, you're not saving any dough. So I mean, it, what what we see, I, I'm I'm even wondering if I can look at. I mean, like I said, this people say what this is stocks and jacks. It's supposed to be a financial show. I'm trying to figure out with my clients, can I still be in Target at 40 PE, or, or what was the other one I was mentioning? 49 PE, uh, Lululemon, or someplace. Can I still be in there at a retailer and say, can I possibly justify a retailer like Walmart at 25 PE? When nowhere in my career could I justify that. Is there a way that that number is legit now? And because and you took the talking heads on TV, everything's a buy. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter what. And then. <laughs> They had people yesterday talking about Lululemon all day long about their margins are terrific. Kevin, they make seven bucks a share for God's sake, <laughs> and, 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 and the thing is trading three ninety. What, what margin are we talking about? <laughs> Yet everybody thinks that's okay. It's a, now. Does that mean they're going to put every other person out of business and they're going to get that whole thing and they're going to double their prices? I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, I don't think the costs of the whatever jeans are not the jeans. The yoga stuff is going down. Are, are we anticipating that they're going to be able? the next two years to double prices, and that's how they're going to grow into the stock price. Otherwise, I don't see how you can possibly even remotely buy in these places here. But you know what? They, they could be right and I could be wrong. Easy, because I've been wrong for a while here. But I have to look at it and say, why Why am I, why am I screwing this up and thinking these things aren't a buy? When they sure as hell seem to be. I mean, it, or, or am I just, or, is there, or someday, you know, I don't want to see a crash to make me, you know, make me seem like I knew what I was talking about. But you, you understand my confusion here. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, mean, I don't know if you, if you have the solution, but obvi- I mean, why? Oh yeah, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I don't. But I'm saying, well, but why all of a sudden is is a retailer that appears as big as they can get trading at numbers that you can't even begin to justify historically? 
historically. That's that's the word I'll use. And yet, I don't. I, I'm not I'm sure as hell not going to buy puts on Walmart today or Target. It looks to me like they're pretty strong here at these prices. Everybody thinks it's okay. I, and you know what? And my question is, if they're right, why are they right? And why am I wrong? Is what I'm trying to figure out. Because unlike some of the politicians. I'm used to saying, hey, I was wrong on that trade or something, because guess what? If you're in the game that I'm in, it's like a Major League Baseball player. You know, guess what? I made three outs today, but I got two hits. But what about the three outs? Well, (laughs) guess what? Two out of five is really pretty good. It's like real good. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I have to constantly look and see, I think this stock is too low or too high. Why does everybody else feel the same? Obviously the opposite way, or enough people to where I'm wrong. That... I don't know if you teach any of this stuff in class, but it's 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 constant self uh, criticism or self evaluation. Now, is there a reason why these, you know, Walmart should be twenty five or Costco thirty or thirty five? The answer could be yes, Kevin. There might be a very legitimate reason. I don't. I'm not so sure you and I would like. Yeah, the but reason. we we don't we don't have access to their strategic plan. We don't have access to their operational plans, but we do have the ability to observe, and to an extent, in in some of their like annual reports and such, they do reveal a lot. Um, and in in Walmart's case, because you've mentioned how well they're doing um, with online, how many years have I been telling you that they're trying to make a run at Amazon? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and and so you can you can start to see. Yeah, um, I'll go back to the um, uh, the um, uh, Gartner Magic Quadrant logic, um, where they're saying they identify the companies in tech in different technology, different aspects of technology, um, and and it, it can be real simple things like you know uh, um, threat detection software and things like that, right on to you know uh, much more uh, involved technologies. But they are always asking the two questions. One is What's the vision of the company? Are they going someplace that is the right place to be going and it's really good? And then the second one is, do they have the ability to pull it off? Ability to execute. And I think, you know, as you start looking at these companies and start asking those questions, and we go back to, you know, who wants to make a run at being a a major online retailer? Well, there's a lot of people who have the vision the question is who could pull it off and uh, you know because because target's trying to do the same thing but i don't know if target can pull it off or not but i'm pretty sure walmart has the ability to do it okay now whether, I... whether they move up to number two and that's it uh, that's all they're ever going to do i don't know or whether they're going to be able to overtake them i don't know but is do they have the ability to do it and and i think that's probably a big factor in uh, in how rational people, anyway, how anybody okay, but now a rational I'm, look at it, prices. I'm going to ask one more question, and we got to get to Carl, but uh, when you say, do it, what exactly is it? And I'm, I'm going I'm to say that, I'm going to say it is different for Walmart than it is for Target. If Walmart grows their online business by 10%, and like you said, takes a run on Amazon, I'm going to lob one out there because I don't know the answer, and I'll, you probably could do. But you or Andrew have a better answer than me. I'm going to say that for every dollar that that Walmart gets online, especially in an area where there's a Walmart store, seventy uh, percent of it is eating their young. It's not coming from Amazon. It's coming from people that didn't come to the store that day, or maybe fifty. Some some number. I'm going to, but I'm going to guess that if and, the target. And, if, and what do you think? Uh, is happening with um, 
uh, Amazon acquiring retail outlets. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. They're, they're, same they're, thing. Eating, they're, they're eating their young. No, but I'm going to say Target because they're because not the, a- the old adage is if you have to face a cannibal, it's best that it be in the mirror. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> that's a good one. But, I mean, Target, because they're not as big, I'm going to say that if they grow their online business by $100 million, maybe less of it is eating themselves than, than Walmart. Certainly in a town where you don't have a store, it's probably all accretive, right? But 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 if you have if you're the main store in some town in Wisconsin, everything you sell online is, I guess you're either getting it from your, you're taking it from yourself or Amazon, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you are, and and I think you know part of it is that Target has a whole different model than the other two as to how they how they are going about it, and they're kind of doing it slowly too. But that's that's for another time. Uh, yeah, it's another time. But it's also I've, but it's right up Kevin O'Neill's alley. Even if you get the statistic back. That Walmart is did my I just said it, you know, stupidly. Looks to me like they're doing really well online. But now you would tell me, which I'm sure you would, or any of our professors, wait a minute. You don't know if you're stealing from yourself or somebody else. You you, yep. you assume that it's some combination of the two. But I'll bet they I'll bet they have people studying this right now, and I, I, and I bet they are taking. Well, with, Amazon. with Amazon slowing down and doing a fair amount of layoffs, I suspect that there's at least a significant portion, yeah. a noticeable portion for Walmart that is coming out of Amazon's hide. I would agree with you. I would, agree. and and I'll, and I'll bet it differs by how close the people are to a Walmart store versus not. I'll bet it. I bet there's a million factors in there. I bet it's pretty be a fascinating study, actually. Well, it, it always varies by how close you are to a distribution center, and that's right. where Amazon has the world beat at this point, beaten because they have. You know, such a uh, a well built out uh, distribution network, but it may be overkill at this point, um, and and they may be seeing the the overhead uh, uh, swamping them. So you know, that's something to watch with Amazon. Anyway, who are the Irish playing tomorrow? Somebody, somebody, somebody. Tennessee, Tennessee State. Uh, who the hell are it's they? A, they? It's an HBCU. This is this is it's a okay. What? So it's a what? Uh, historically black college university, oh, right, okay. HBCUs. Okay, so that you know, so that this is this is their first dip into the one double A game. So I am very disappointed that that's happening. I suppose it's good that it's an H uh, an HBCU that they're doing it with, very similar to the basketball team going out to Howard and playing last uh, last winter. Um, and you know, in their case, they went to Washington D.C. to do it on Martin Luther King Day. So that was, you know, that was all part of the, the shtick. But I guess if you're going to help somebody out, that's a, a better place to go to help out. Um, they're, so they're, that, they're not but, going but, there. Uh, right? as, as no, no, and I wish they would. I think if you really want to help them, go there. Um, but um, but the, a, a lot of local community leaders are saying, look, we're getting our we were getting groups of kids on on the Notre Dame campus who would never go there otherwise um, you know people are pretty excited about it um, uh, so, out of those groups right, so so, the Irish getting- so that's good so now we're down to at the moment we have three teams who have never played three major conference teams who have never played uh, um, a 1AA school Notre Dame UCLA and Southern Cal Notre Dame's going to fall off that list tomorrow in a couple of weeks UCLA is going to fall off of that list and Southern California is going to be the only one who the has last man played. standing yep. SP Futures up 15 NASDAQ Futures up 30 Carl Denninger in about a minute 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, Rebecca Jackson. I'm tomorrow. And we're on the board. SP futures up 17. The SFU's up 37. We're buoyant ahead of the labor number. The the number is uh, suppo- the, supposed to be 170. Uh, well, it's a forecast number, which would put it, put it below last month and show a, somewhat of a cooling labor pool, which is exactly what we want to get the Fed revved up here. Carl, how are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I just uh, <laughs> let let's let's start with just something. I, I know this isn't really market related, but it is. But it is market related. Everything is related to everything. Well, let's well this is okay. So you know, uh, most of your listeners probably listen to uh, what I call CNBS. All the BS that's fit print oh, yeah. when it comes to markets. Okay, I mean, you know, let's face it. They're the the media channel of record when it comes to the stock market, right? In their mind. I mean, kind of like, well, they, in their mind, yeah. Well, then again, the Wall Street Journal seems to think that they are too, right? Yep. Um, you know, the New York Times, uh, you know, the gray lady, and, yeah, all right, fine. Um, <laughs> all right, so I, I, I want to read you just a piece of a article that's on Fox News this morning. Oh, good. All right. All right. Fox weather meteorologist. This guy's a professional. Britta Merwin was in Keaton Beach on Thursday, a day after Adalia's raging winds and dangerous storm surge left widespread debris and flooding damage throughout Nature Coast. Okay, well, there, there was a hurricane. Yes. Um, some of the homes perched only 100 feet from the Gulf of Mexico sustained flooding damage. Big shock. Yep. It had their siding ripped off. Big shock. Trees were then completely uprooted when the water retreated back into the Gulf, pulling the vegetation from its roots. So, in other words, the wind did not tear the trees out of the ground. The water did. Well, again, big shock. Moving water is nasty stuff. Okay. 
Now, here's the punchline, right? Because you just heard these terrible things that happened. We're talking about a Category 3 hurricane that rolled through. These homes were impacted by 7-foot storm surge and 83-mile-per-hour winds. Okay. Did you, did you catch the problem? Uh, well, it sounds like they had a bad storm. And okay, Category 3 hurricane. What is, what is a Category 3 hurricane defined by? I think it's, it's over 80 mile an hour. Uh, it's uh, appreciably, yeah, yeah, more than a little, right? Yeah, but it's like it's over uh, hundred, I think. Uh, it's like one hundred twenty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, eighty-three is barely category one, barely. So it it slowed up that Se- much. Se- seventy-five is the threshold. Below seventy-five, it's not even a hurricane. Well, did the thing slow up that much before it hit, hit land? No, 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 no. It never was. Oh, really? All right. When it hit, I watched it go in at what's called uh, Fish Camp, which is just two miles from the Keaton Beach buoy. I mean, you could walk there (laughs) from one to the other in in about 10 minutes. Okay, well, okay, run in 10 minutes. Uh, There's a a National Buoy Data Center buoy at the label is Keaton Beach. Uh, it is just north of Fish Camp. Keaton Beach is actually slightly far, but it's but it's a couple miles from where the official landfall happened. The storm radius, the set, the core of the storm was about 15 miles wide when it came in. The National Hurricane Center said that the radius of hurricane winds was approximately 20 miles in each direction. It's a very small storm. Really big ones are 100 miles. Yeah, some of are huge. Winds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the one that got me in the face when I lived in Florida, which was Ivan, was a monster. A, a, a true monster. Well, some uh, of the intensity of the little ones is almost as big as the well, big ones. Yeah, yeah, size and intensity. You know, I mean, if you happen to be in the wrong place and you get hit in the face, but where the eye comes in is in the face. Well, a couple of the barometric right. pressure records are on relatively smaller storms, right? Well, yeah, well, well but that's obvious. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that, you know, the, I mean, if you look at, I mean, we all know what the formula for a circle is, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, a, a, a 50 mile wide storm um, has six times the area of a 25 mile one, and uh, and you know it's almost 50 times if it's a 100 mile wide storm. It's uh, yeah because there is a square in there, right? In that uh, yep. in that term. Okay. Here's the problem with this: the Keaton Beach buoy, which is official government data, recorded no hurricane force sustained winds at all did record hurricane force gusts. However, that's not the definition of a hurricane. It's not the gust. It's the sustained wind speed. No hurricane force winds. Yet we were told this thing was a major hurricane when it impacted the coast. It was not. Factually, Uh it was not. And the damage that a major hurricane would have done is not there. Well, I was on the way in this morning... They were saying that all the insurance companies had a massive sigh of relief that damage is nowhere near where they thought it was going to be. Well, yeah. Now, now here's... Uh, I lived in northwest Florida for 20 years. I watched these things every... I mean, every day I was looking at the at the National Hurricane Center and their satellite maps during the summer months all the way up until, like, November because if you get one of these things in the face, it can be really bad. And I like to travel. Well, <laughs> you don't do anything where you can't get home in two days. 
right, during that entire period of time because if you have to put the boards up and you're not there, your house gets destroyed. So, it, you know, <laughs> I don't like having my house destroyed. No. It never, it never was. My point is simply this. The hype machine for days prior to this thing was coming. Global warming, climate change, da-da-da-da-da, bang, bang, bang on the table, right? You're all going to die. They said there was going to be a 15-foot storm surge there. That seems pretty high. It's like well, a that, tsunami. If you try to stay for that and you're five feet off the water and you get 15 feet, you're dead because that is to the top of your living room. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you drown. Well, I mean, um, uh, as my buddy uh, John, when he was on Fox and he was on, well, he was on Fox News here and then he was on uh, CNBC forever, uh, the motto is, if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, well, yeah, I, I, I get that. But you know what? This goes back to the whole hype machine and the, and the same thing with, with the markets. Well, you're, you're, right. you're, but you're a little, uh, if, you were, if, you could, if we could ratchet it back two weeks, the hurricane that was going to absolutely destroy Southern California, they had two and a half inches of rain in L.A. That was it. I, uh, when I saw that one coming, I'm like, uh, oh, and this was supposedly because of climate change, too. Oh, yeah. um, excuse me, hurricanes hit Baja all the time, all right? And the remnants come up into the United States. But because there is a big spit of land there, when a hurricane goes over land, it weakens because it runs on the fuel of the moisture from the water. The, 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 there was nothing unprecedented about any of this. And there's nothing unprecedented. Well, the one about this it was nowhere near as bad as the one from what 1940 something something or 30 something. Oh, go, oh, yeah. good God! You want to talk about really horrible hurricanes? Camille, 1969, I believe, yeah. uh, it went into the Gulf Coast, and I, it, where it went in essentially ceased to exist. Okay, Katrina, past Christian was essentially erased by Katrina. Um, and and I mean now now that was a real hurricane, right? That was that was a no BS serious storm. Um, this this was this was all hate machine, and, and yes, it was windy. Yes, it rained. Yes, there was surge. That area of Florida has a, you can go in a mile or two, and it's it, you're at five feet of elevation. Okay, if you get seven feet of surge, yeah. well, guess what? You got two feet of water in your living room. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean that's bad. All right, don't don't get me wrong. And flooding is is probably the worst kind of damage to take. But it used to be. Plus, they got all kinds of creatures down there. You don't just get water. Oh, you get snakes yeah, and no, bugs. You get and all snakes. You get alligators. Yeah. Well, hey, buddy, what are you doing in my living room? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, hey. But uh, I mean, the the you know the thing that goes with this though, chief, is that we. It, up in that area, all the older stuff, it's all shacks and fish camps. Why? Because everyone knew that when a hurricane comes, it's going to get destroyed. Right? It's going to get flooded. It may not get blown down, but it's going to get flooded. That's pretty much a certainty, just because yeah. there's no elevation there. So if you care about anything, you put on stilts, because otherwise it's going to get ruined. Well, then you have all these, these wonderful people. Oh, this is a great, beautiful, quiet part of Florida, which it is, by the way. Let's let's sell this place down here five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> or here's here's a nice waterfront place. We're gonna spiff it up, put some lipstick on this pig, get a million bucks for it. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, about that being only five feet off the water. Well, didn't uh, the place Fari used to always talk where he moved on the on the west coast somewhere over there? All he would talk about is there had never been a hurricane where he moved. Isn't that right where the one hit last year? 
Well, yeah. The other well, the other thing is that's the, 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 I call it the pocket. Um, I used to boat all along the West Coast and a fairly large boat, and you. It was it was somewhere that unless you were going up in there to fish or whatever have you, t- you typically tried not to. And there, and part of the reason is simply because there isn't a whole lot there, and it's it's a pocket. It, it the coast kind of angles back away to the east as it goes north, and as a result, storms don't frequently hit in there. It's rather uncommon because they run into land first. Okay, it's not. It's it's just the geography. It's just the way the land is laid out. Well, I, but I, well, I have a meteorological question for you that there's no way you should know the answer, but you probably do. Why are, why are all the storms this year? Because I was watching this one. Of course, if you go to Hurricane Tracker, there's like three of them on there, right? Right. Uh, every one seems to be making this amazing right turn. What's that caused by? Is that is that all Nino? Well, they all do, they all do that. It's it, it, it had the poleward movement. Okay, so it, this is a, what's called the Coriolis effect. Uh, it's the reason that they spin the the way that they do when you go flush a toilet the, you know yeah, the swirly yeah. goes in that direction right well if you were to go below the equator this is also by the way why storms do not cross the equator why hurricanes don't cross the equator if you have a typhoon in the southern hemisphere it spins the other way and as a result and, and by the way so is your toilet so is your drain yeah um, as a result, those storms will not cross the equator because they'd be ripped apart. The force is the other but this direction. this one was, was supposed to go to Panama City, and it made almost this right turn. The other one was heading right for the middle east coast of Florida and made a right turn, and now it's like halfway, halfway out in the Atlantic going like to Britain. I mean, well, it happens all the time. That's, that's the normal, that poleward motion. It has to do with the fact that the jet stream comes from west to east, and and so you have up in the upper level air, you have a westerly flow, and so and and you know wind blows things right, including storm structures. So your primary weather pattern in the northern hemisphere is from the west to the east. Is that it's not the same as the shear thing they're talking about? Where you sh- where you well, shear shear impacts storms because hurricanes have to be vertically organized in order to draw heat. A hurricane's a heat engine. Its right. purpose is to take heat out of the ocean and redistribute it northward towards the poles. That's what it does, and that's how it operates. And in order for it to be effective and to be strong, it has to be vertically stacked. So if you have something in the upper air that's, that you know, I mean, the jet stream frequently, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour. If you have a, something in the upper air that is impacting it, it tends to displace it to the side and disrupt that vertical organization which you know which damages its ability to stay strong so it's it and in you know if that comes down to the lower levels you get enough shear from one direction or another it can tear one of those storms apart well, does it get a little more dangerous when i mean you, you can track the things coming all the way across the atlantic and where they land oh, yeah. it seems like with the gulf water warm like it is any kind of pop-up storm in the in the in the gulf is I'm not going to say it's a Category 5, but it's going to be a pretty good storm. This thing was like nothing a few days ago, right? Well, the reason, so uh, the problem that this storm had, and that a lot of storms have, is that dry air, you know, they run on moist air, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. what a hurricane is. Uh, this storm, when it when it was forming, I said it was, it was very unlikely this thing was going to turn into a monster, and it had nothing to do with the temperature of the water, which was plenty warm enough for it to do that. It was that there was a huge amount of dry air that was at the time to the west and the north of it 
and that that would inhibit it from expanding and turning into a, a you know a huge thing like either Katrina or Ivan, the one that got me in the face. Uh, and and it just wasn't going to happen that you could get some in, a decent amount of intensification, but the wind field couldn't expand because that dry air was there when it would run into it. As the storm grows, it it starts displacing that stuff outward and push it kind of pushes it out of the way. But that takes a lot of its energy. So that was the you know that that was kind of what I saw coming early on, and I'm like you know look okay whoever gets this thing is not going to like it, but it. When it was off the coast of Cuba, I said this this sucker's going somewhere between Carabel and uh, and Cedar Key, and that is exactly where it ended up going. Just and and I was just looking at the upper air patterns. That's all I was looking at because that's all you really need to look at as far as steering is what's going on in the upper air, what's in what's going on in the upper atmosphere, how much dry air is there, how much moist air, where is it, which way is it moving. You look at that, you won't be exact, but you get a pretty good idea whether or not the setup is there for something really, really ugly. And it just wasn't. Um, but, of course, the hype machine... Well, if, if it, if it would have whacked into Tampa, it would not have been a good day. No, it would, actually wouldn't have been all that bad. The, only, the, the, thing, the problem with Tampa is that Tampa has... Uh, Tampa Bay is essentially a funnel. And so the surge would have been terrible. The, the wind damage there would have been basically nothing. But there would have, I mean, there would have been a flooding problem, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, welcome to uh, the reality of building things on the water that are expensive. I mean, I, you know, yeah. hello. Hey, uh, we, we're 10 minutes away from the numbers here. Let's yeah, yeah. kind of shift gear here. What the, uh, the numbers this week so far have been, have showed somewhat of a slowing label market, the, the jolt number and the, and the ADP. Yeah. Um, they, well, the ADP a little bit, yeah. And, they, and, the, and I think what what the market is looking for, uh, it's hard to say what the market is looking for because the market's big. Uh, the market seems to be looking for is they'd love these numbers that come in horribly. The Fed not only stops raising but maybe cuts back down and we're back to free money and the market goes even higher. And I was just talking before you came on regarding how high some of these P.E. ratios are. And I'm trying to figure out if they're justifiable because people want to be no. investing in this stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I guess the answer, I, I would agree with you, but then, you know, my personality is, all right, I'm a trader. These look like they're too high, yet they go up every day. What is everybody else seeing why they think they're a buy, even though I don't think they are? I mean, it's... Well, Chief, he, if he, you're tra- yeah, but if you're a trader, you trade the tape you get. And, and, yeah. and the stupidity of, of other people in the market is an opportunity for you Okay, I mean, I look, I look at the things that are going on right now, and I don't see anything. I mean, I have some things that I own, but I don't see anything I want to buy in today's market. I, I do believe that sometime in the next fairly short period of time, before the end of the year, I'm going to see an awful lot of things I want to short. Um, yeah, I mean, we're looking toward a September, October not so good here but that's well i'm looking yeah well i mean that's just because that's you know that tends to kind of be you know people people go on vacation in the summer and there's a psychological thing that goes on people come back and look at it and go god why why is it up there that's stupid uh you know the the tequila wears off and i think there's there's probably going to be that you know that sort of thing but the other the other problem you have right now is that within the labor market and within the within the housing market I just saw a survey that said that half the people who are are currently in their house, uh, they can't move. No, they can't move. Okay. It's not that they don't want to move. It's that they can't move. They can't move. 
and and it's just because they have a three percent mortgage and the new one's seven, and so and the prices you know, have not dropped to reflect that for whatever reason. That's that's right, and they haven't. And the thing is, is that for the most part, things are sitting. Now it's not entirely true. I I've been paying very close attention around here, and there have been a few single family homes, not rental stuff, not Airbnb, you know, material, whatever have you. Uh, a few of them at absolutely outrageous prices that I would never pay for what they are. Uh, I mean, nice house, don't get me wrong. Just I wouldn't pay that kind of money for it. Uh, and there have been a couple that have that have actually not just gone under contract because a lot of them go under contract and blow up because the guy you know it's contingent on the other guy selling his other house and he can't. Um, but I've actually seen a couple of closings. Okay, they're, they were sold. Yep, there's they're, people that have sold their places and. There's yeah, cash I mean, buyers that people are downsizing a lot of. I mean, that's that's the flow that that Audrey and Nancy, when she does the mortgages, that's the flow that people are seeing. Maybe an older couple selling their house, buying a townhome, that sort of thing. But yeah, and where where it's cash, cash, cash. But you know, it's how can I put this? We used to say in the trading floor, keep your hands in the boat, don't rock the boat. You have a phenomenon that you and I have discussed. Not only are people in homes that they can't move, but they also are in homes that even at the three and a half percent, both of them have to stay working to cover. So Correct. If, Otherwise, if, you're screwed. If either yeah. one of them gets laid off, you got a problem. If they can't run out and get a part-time job or do something right away, and we're starting to see, Nancy was on this week and Audrey last week. Uh, fortunately, there hasn't been any a whole lot of you know they have the, you know their clientele is pretty solid, but right they still have. Uh, Nancy had to get a couple mortgages last month for people who got divorced. Those are two right. mortgages. And I think they had to sell the place, something like that. Now, Audrey uh, was mentioned this week. A couple of people have, have just kind of called her. Hopefully it doesn't happen. You know, their companies are laying off. And by the way, what if they got laid off? What would happen? Right. Could they sell their place? And it, there, there's a few cracks appearing in this everybody keep their hands in the boat argument. You know, I mean, everybody can't keep their hands in the boat. You know, you, Well, I, I'm seeing, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things... The, the labor market ultimately is is that and the budgetary issue are going to become serious problems you know you were talking about that stuff you know with Powell and things yeah you know you remember you do remember I'm sure because you're a student of history like I am uh, Nixon actually assaulted burns in his yeah. office oh yeah because he wanted lower interest rates okay he threw him up against the wall I mean that's uh, that's that's a literal assault, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I mean, this is not exactly a new phenomenon, right? That that you know the so-called independent Fed. Yeah, right. Pull the other one, guys. Uh, well, it's been but, going. On, it's been going on since Rome. Pull, well, yeah, you know, but inflate I mean, the but, currency, and we're all good, at least for a little well, while. While I'm here. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, Ron Paul and his end the Fed screed during during the crash, during the 08 crash. Uh, Bernanke showed up on the Hill and claimed that he was adding liquidity into the system. I proved from public data, because the New York Fed's trading desk records are, I mean, they're, they're published in real time, okay, that he'd taken tens of billions of dollars out into the maw of the crash. Yeah. All right? He deliberately pulled liquidity out right after Lehman failed, which, uh, why, I mean, why, if you, why, wanted, to, is there any, if you is, wanted to cause a stock market crash, there isn't a much better way to do it than that. Is there any... any what do you say? The what do they say the next day? The in the wake of the news, is there ever any explanation about why he did that? 
No, I've never seen it. And I faxed every member of Congress because he was due to show up for his semiannual testimony. I faxed every single member of Congress using, I've got a little server program that, you know, I mean, this was back when we used fax machines still. We don't anymore. Um, and I actually got a call from Ron Paul's office telling me to stop. Really? Yeah, they actually called me. This is when I was down in Florida, of course, um, and said, you're not a constituent. Stop. I said, but this is at on behalf of your constituents because in order to send these things, uh, there was a web page. You had to put in your name and address and, you know, where you were and what, you know, what your district was. It, it, so, I mean, it's a list of signatures, electronic signatures. I'm like, um, these are Ron Paul's constituents that are saying, um, hey, hammer this guy for this BS that he's running in public. Well, well, we don't want to hear from them anymore. We don't want to hear from you anymore. Turn it off. Well, of course, I honored the request. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I wrote a nice article about it, skewering him. Oh, so you don't like having your constituents tell you that you're a tool. Um, but, I mean, this is the th- it's, it's theater, Chief. And that's, well, it's all and, it is. It's all it is. It's all theater. And these guys, you know, the reality of it is, is that, and, and the reason for it is that the blame for all of it is in the halls of Congress running well, Carl, a $2 let's, trillion let's hold this, uh, Without a doubt, let's hold this, uh, hold this thought. We'll go to break early and we'll come back with the numbers. Because I want to pick this up because I want to talk about who actually did the policy of the Fed before there was a Fed. When you say there aren't gonna, isn't going to be one, SP futures up fifteen, Nasdaq futures up thirty four. Numbers out in about a minute. We'll have it. We come back from break. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Hello, my big station, Jackson. I'm Tamal. Andrew on the board. We're going to be this brief here because we want to get to these numbers. S&P futures are up 22. They were up 27. The numbers came out at 187 versus the 170. However, they stripped 30,000 off last month, so I guess they catch it pretty close to where it was. The big thing here, we'll get to Carl in a second. Uh, unemployment went up to 3.8 from 3.5. It's a, it's a huge move. Well, we haven't seen a move there like that in a while. Um, hey, what, uh, Andrew, real quick, and... Uh, just some traffic and weather, and then we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to Carl. All right, uh, just for sports, we get some games to look forward to tonight. The Cubs are going to play the Reds twice. That's at 12:10 p.m. and at 5:40 p.m. And the White Sox will be playing the Tigers tonight at 7:10 p.m. Here in Chicago, we're currently at 60 degrees, sunny skies, going to have a high of 80 today. Over in Phoenix, they're at 81 degrees, cloudy skies, going to have a high of 93 and a 43% chance of rain today. Finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully no major accidents to report. Uh, just expect some delays if you're coming in on the Stevenson from about Route 171 to Cicero Avenue. And if you're coming in on the Eisenhower from about 1st Avenue to, looks like nearly to downtown, but somewhat to Western Avenue. And as for the Kennedy, that thing looks fully blocked up from about Lawrence Avenue to downtown. Let's expect some delays up there. That's a quick report. Back to you. Um, Carol, we got the... Interesting stuff here. I'm looking at the at the at the dummy page. Um, uh, 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 this this is uh, rather amusing. I, How did five hundred thousand people come out of we don't know what they do and magically end up as looking for a job now? Well, you know, there's there's that question. Um, the unadjusted figure was a loss of five hundred fifty five thousand jobs, half million jobs. That's a lot. Went went poof like a fart in a church. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that yeah, it's five hundred and five hundred. By the way, all of that five hundred fifteen thousand went into the. I'm gonna sit on the couch and surf and play video games. See, I've got that number down from ninety nine nine to ninety nine three fifty. Well, I know you're looking at adjusted again. I, right. The unadjusted went from ninety eight six forty nine to ninety nine one sixty four. So that's five hundred fifteen. Um, and then so there was a I, million person adjustment. Uh, five, half a million. Okay, ha- half a million people, which by the way is all of the losses. So the people who lost, who who you know got canned, um, they're not looking for work. They now, of course, you know that's not how it works, right? It's a bucket. Some people go one way, going some go the other. But if you look at absorption, absor- absorption is one of the key items. When you're looking at trends, uh, you know if you have a pile of people who don't have jobs, uh, and you have a bunch of open jobs, 
uh, how many of those people get absorbed into that demand for labor, right? And how many are new entrants, you know, people that come out of school or whatever have you. Uh, yeah, this is this is kind of saying, okay, there's there's some pushback coming. I'm wondering if there's a macroeconomic effect involved here because this is rather unusual to see, you know, to see this kind of a of a of a delta that is ex- almost exactly offset uh, between the non labor force and the and the job change. That's what I'm that's, saying. It's it's really I've never seen this before. That's a weird. That is that is a weird dynamic. I mean, I've seen I've seen you know large large gains, and you know half that comes out of people on the couch, right? That are couch surfing. Uh, but to see essentially the entire loss turn up there is uh, that's that one I uh, that's that's not a good sign. Okay, let's just say it's, that's not a good sign. The other thing that's interesting is that when I look at the at the uh, weekly wages, um, you know, I've been noting for a while that trade, transportation, warehousing have have in the in the PPI numbers have shown a lot of softness. Okay, the last several months. This is and, and that's a leading indicator of trouble. But the interesting thing about this is that that's not where it's coming up here. Where it's coming up here is is in particularly in durable goods manufacturing, where there was actually a loss of a couple of dollars a week in weekly earnings. Um, and and non durables is up a little, but not very much. That's a, that, I mean, manufacturing. Now, construction still looks okay, but of course, you know, this is towards the end of the summer, right? So, I mean, you know, people trying to get stuff finished. Um, but yeah, this is this is kind of an interesting. I mean, the internals in this in this report and leisure and hospitality is is reasonably flat. There's no, I mean, it's not showing up there. Um, the other thing that's amusing is that these layoffs are in people that have bachelor's degrees and better. These are professionals that are losing their jobs. All right, a couple, couple quick questions. Well, first I want to explain a little bit the numbers that Carl and I are talking about. There's, there's your people available for work, which is over the age of 16. Right, a non-institutional to, yeah, civilian yeah, population. Which used to be over 14, by the way, but now it's 16. Yeah. Uh, then there's a group, there's 167 million of that group that is, empl- uh, 100, sorry, 161 million that are employed Right. Okay. And then there's uh, 105 million, roughly, that are not are not employed. And the definition there, of which like 99 million, we don't know what they're doing, retired students, whatever. And then there's a group that we we peel out of that 105 number, and we say these people are actively looking for a job, so therefore they're unemployed. But that number, I every every month I question what that is. So. So what we've seen this month with this unemployment rate going up is out of that group of people, there's two there's two columns. One is actively looking for work, and one that we don't know what they're doing. Five hundred. There's been a five hundred thousand person shift in those two columns, and I don't. Yeah, I, and it, it, well, and the according employed, to this, right? And according to the household survey, unadjusted, all of that gain in the I'm sitting on the couch drinking beer column uh, came out of the employed bucket. I know this thing. The adjusted shows kind of just the opposite, which is well, I I know yeah, that, yeah. but that's the that's the bureau of lies and scams, yeah. as I call them, and and so, you know, I mean, I I'm going to take what somebody tells somebody on a on a phone survey as opposed to somebody's black box knob diddling yeah. games, um, but uh, you know, and again, I you kind of look at this. I tend to look at at 
what sort of a pattern do you get um, in the, you know, on a comparable month, okay? Because, you know, Labor Day comes pretty much the same time every year, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the way it is. And, and the interesting thing about this is that we see, we see the couch surfing thing show up uh, every August. Okay, it happens every year. And I have to assume that part of, part of what does that um, is, uh, you know, people just say, well, you know, I work for the summer and, and now I'm done. That's the way it goes. Uh, so it's not, you know, August is frequently a negative month. Okay, it's it's not an uncommon thing. All right, I mean, you go back to 2019, uh, which you know pre-pandemic, right? So you know you you take that distortion out of there, uh, and and August has has quite frequently been a firing month. What's uh, just for for uh, for bleeps and, gl- and giggles, if somebody gets canned say last week or this week that's going to show up when the, th- the third next month next it, well because the survey week's the third week okay so so you if you know if you're after the survey then you go into the next month's bucket well the people that i'm hearing about that are getting laid off in this area a lot of them are in the uh, software business right. now Somebody well, likes- that's yeah. That jives with what with with what the internals say is that it's it's edu- it's professionally educated people. All right. So, well, my, I guess my question is, uh, say a guy like you decides for three months, eh, I'm bored here. You get a big consulting job. You go work for somebody for three months. Now you're going to be a 1099 guy. If and when are you counted in? And if the job is over next Friday, when are you counted out? Or are you ever counted anywhere? Well, I'm counted if if I get hit on the household survey because they called me. Okay. So, I mean, I'm you know, I'm counted in when I say but yeah. Do, but I've do got they a ask job. you they don't do, do they do they ask whether you're uh, a contractor or whether you're or a W2 or 1099 employee or no? No. It's they they just ask are you working? Okay. So, I mean, it's, you know, are you working? Uh yeah, I have a job. Well, okay. no, if, if they if they call <laughs> if they call PTI and we had you know three people sitting here doing software for God knows what reason uh, would we say they're employed or not if they're 1099 uh, you would that would be considered employed but that's on the establishment side okay so, but um, uh, so, so that's a different sur- that's a different survey no that's not okay. gonna, that's not going to come up in the ADP numbers because they're just counting t- w2s uh, ADP numbers are counting paychecks. Yeah, which is W two. Right. Right. Well, for the most part, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah, they, AD, well, ADP is counting anybody that uses ADP to process their payroll. That's what they're counting. Right. But if I if I give the guy a check or lady, and I give him the ten ninety nine in January, ADP is not going to catch that. Uh, no, because you typically would not be using them as a right. as a processor for ten ninety nines. So I, what I'm trying to get to is. The, the software area, if that becomes a problem, it used to be a lot of those people were there for like a, like, um, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Uh, a girl who worked there, Angelica. I mean, she went, did a, went to school, actually worked her fanning off at this one school online to learn how to do, a, what are they, code proofreaders? What? Whatever that is. Uh, okay, I don't know what that is. Well, I, been, I don't know how you do that without actually I, I, understanding I, I, the algorithm itself, I, but okay. I, I, somehow or another, 
she was doing something. Anyway, they ended up going to work for Baxter Baxter Lab, I think, up north. And I all of a sudden everybody got laid off. I'm going to say you know March or something. My guess is that there was a project up there that somebody had the project, and she was hired by the contractor to go to Baxter to do this project. And when the project was over, they all got sent the door, which probably was was part of the deal when they went there. Now I'm going to say when 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 was she counted? When was she not? Because I think she got a 1099. Was she ever? Or is well, she should, well. I mean, if if she got caught by the you know by the uh, uh, the household service, sure. Um, of course, this is not you know what uh, it's an inexact thing for obvious reasons, yep. right? Because it's a survey, so it's a statistical sample, and uh, honestly, I've never been called. I, don't, I was saying I don't know anybody, anybody who ever has. I you know yeah I mean I my I I never, and I never got sampled at the establishment level when I was running MCS either. Uh, I guess my, I mean, my that, was, that was years, and we yeah we never had them call us. The, 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 the stupid question I'm trying to get to you clumsily, I'll, I'll admit. My my experience or my view of the software industry is there's more contract workers in there than in a lot of industries, and if if that's the group that started getting laid off, getting laid off, are they going to show up in the numbers accurately? I guess is my question. Yes, but, uh, I mean, as accurately as anywhere else. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, my, you know, I have long marveled at how ADP, which, if you think about it, it's not very hard to count how many paychecks go out and what the gross dollar amount is, right? I mean, ask the computer. <laughs> well, how, how many paychecks did you spit out last month? I mean, the, the, you know, the, come on, guys. This, this is seriously easy. And oh, by the way, um, if somebody's working two jobs, uh, ADP knows that because your Social Security number is on each of those those check stubs, right? So they also uh, can filter the duplicates. So they're not going to, I mean, you know, the thing with the household survey is that they don't ask, do you have six jobs? They ask, do you have a job? Uh, The establishment survey double counts people because if you work at two jobs and both of those places get pulled, you're going to get counted twice. All right, so now now what you're you're zeroing into, you're becoming uh, Professor Goodhart here, is the... uh, you would think, and I would think, that if if ADP was to do something like really simple and say, here is a number, and this number is X, and had a little paragraph next to it and said, this is what it includes, you'd wonder how they could screw up, okay? But that's, according to my buddy John, Dr. J, who was on CNBC forever, that was never their target. Their target was to be a, a pre-positioner of the U.S. labor report which is a totally different view than just saying, this is what I'm counting, this is it. Somehow or another, they are factoring that, or I think they were, because didn't they do some kind of a revision of it a year ago to try and more closely... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, well, it wasn't a little revision either. It yeah. was a, they essentially, I mean, they changed things enough that if you were to take you know yesterday's and today's, so to speak, you you can't 
you, you can't use them as a continual time series because they've changed the methodology enough right. that, that that wouldn't apply. So it, you and I might be, be so dumb that we say, look, we're going to put out a number and we process payrolls for 42% or 45 or 48 or whatever, say half of the very pe- large. Yeah, say half of the people countrywide. And oh, by the way, we've in our in our group we've added fifty thousand people. So if we're indicative of everybody else, the federal number ought to be one hundred. And if it's not, go talk to them, not us. But that's not what they're doing. They're trying to emulate the other one, right? Yeah, I, I you know I don't know. I mean, you can. <laughs> I think it's one of the, one of the the things that I find rather interesting. Um, is that there's just no there's just no logic to a lot of this, um, but you know that's okay. Why would, I, they, why would they want to give us good numbers? We're talking about politicians that lie all day long. Why would they ever well, want to give us I, good yeah, numbers? Yeah, exactly. There's there you go. I mean, I've long considered the birth death model in the establishment survey to essentially be a black knob that the establish that the you know the administration twists to be whatever they want to be whether they do it knowingly or there's a wink, wink, nod, nod kind of thing. You know, hey, let's go have a beer. Oh, by the way, what's the number uh, supposed to be this month? I, I, I don't know uh, how much of that's real. I mean, that's certainly, you know, but, that's, but that is the problem with, with black box adjustments is that if I can't look at the formulas, if I can't look at the actual data and the mathematical you know, formulas you're using, I don't know if you're lying or not. Right. Or I don't know if it's an error. And by the way, errors are normally distrib- distributed, okay? If it's an actual error, about half the time it's going to be one direction, about half the time it's going to be the other. If there's a pattern in there, it's not a mistake. Right. Oh, exactly. Well, it's a CPI. It, it's not a mistake. Right. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah. Well, with the CPI, though, they're transparent enough that you can see it. You know, health insurance is six-tenths of a percent of your of your household spending. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like blankety-blankety is. Uh, I, you know, I mean, that's the that's the sort of nonsense that goes on in, you know, in some... And in some places, it's transparent. But they you fixed, all, they fixed all that, Carl, with the PCE. We don't even know any idea what's in it. <laughs> well, well, you know, that's yeah. The, the the simplest solution, if you want to be a scoundrel, is just don't tell anybody anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, let's uh, let's go back to our, our our quick think on the Fed. I'm gonna try and make a uh, the Ron Ron Paul, who I, you know, once in a while a guy says something brilliant, then he ruins it like the next minute. Uh, when you look at at the Fed, uh, the central central bank like does kind of a lot of stuff, and all we all we look at is really the the policy piece. And yet right. every single time you get your checking report, people do checks anymore from your bank. If it wasn't for the Fed, you wouldn't get that. I mean, well that's right. Well that's right. I mean the 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 primary the thing that the Federal Reserve that you you need something yeah. that clears payments. Okay? You need you need a mechanism that is absolutely certain. Somebody stands behind it. Yeah, well, I mean, look in the markets, right? I mean, Seed and Company, you know, DTCC, they do that within the stock market, right? I mean, that's that's their job. You never, nobody ever pays any attention to those guys. Well, it used to be, uh, you know, the uh, New York New York Clearing or something like that, but those guys right, have taken over all. But yeah. I mean, there's, but but that function has to be there, right? Otherwise. When you sell a share of, of IBM and I buy a share of IBM, how do I know that I actually got the share? How do you know that you actually got rid of it? I mean, you know, that kind of functionality 
I, you know, I pay the guy, uh, you know, ten thousand dollars to change out my air conditioning system here at the house, and I, okay, I write a check. Um, he's got to get that money, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, that's you know. That kind of stuff is absolutely essential. Well, not to mention the 90 bazillion foreign exchange transactions per day. Well, and, yeah. And also some bank in Indiana or Illinois or Iowa where every single farmer goes in to borrow money in in March so they can plant their stuff and they bring the money back in in October. Somebody has to cover that bank versus another bank in another part of the country that has a different schedule. So there's, there's, there's a million reasons... For the Fed to be like ninety-five percent of what they do, we probably can't do without. Now, oh, absolutely. I mean, balancing balancing transactions and and you know and deposits and cash stock between financial institutions. Without that, the system would collapse. Well, my question that that, uh, that has to because you know somebody's short a billion dollars tonight, yeah, but they're long, but they're long it a billion dollars tomorrow. Well, it's a simple if a guy like Carl, Mister Mister, you know, Daddy Warbucks, if you were to take a billion dollars out of your Tennessee bank and drop it in the bank in New York, well, clearly the money's still in the system, but now one bank's short and the other one's flush. If they can't borrow overnight one to the other, you got Someone some... goes bankrupt yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah, you got somewhat right. of a problem. So, that, that's, so well, I guess my, my question is, before there was a Fed, and there were, there were two Feds, we actually had a, a gentleman right. from the Fed in here on Christmas Eve of all times, because he... Uh, that that's the was the hundred year anniversary of the Fed, wasn't it? Was that Christmas Eve? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. they were, I think they were they were born on Christmas Eve. Um, but before there was a Fed, there, there was the original first bank of the United States, and there was a second right. bank of the. United but still, there was monetary policy. And my question to you, the most notable that I that I remember from the history I've read, I'm sure it wasn't there, is after the Civil War. If you look at the the history of the Civil War from a monetary standpoint. Um, it actually brings up a huge amount of questions about this COVID fiasco in the last four or five years. Is the the union pretty much monetarily stayed together by only increasing their money supply about ten percent a year, which, right. in, which in wartime is pretty friggin' good because uh, you're 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 oh yeah because you're, you're blowing up a bunch yeah, of stuff yeah you're because yeah. your 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 instinct is to just start printing stuff. Which they did. It was called the Greenback, and the name of the Greenback was the only thing behind it was the was the green on the back of it. Hence the name right. Greenback. Well, the South, on the other hand, totally messed it up, and they increased their money supply by I'm going to say 25, 30 percent a year. Not to mention the fact they put out such crappy bills that they were easy to counterfeit. So the the entire South ec- economy, in addition to losing a few battles here and there, they they went basically in the crapo. And yeah, they they blew up their economic yeah. aspect as well. Yeah, so nobody wanted to, their money. They couldn't buy stuff from people overseas. They couldn't. So there was there was that part of the war that the union clearly won. The economy stayed together in the south. It didn't. Well, now the war is over. So the the U.S. or the 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 North, which was the U.S., became the U.S. again. The North uh, decided because they had gotten off the gold standard during the war to get the ten percent more. Right, Carl. Uh, money, money into the system because they didn't have gold for that. Well, then they decided we're going back on the gold standard, and they actually drained the greenbacks out of the system. Now, how they functionally right. did that, I, I don't know, but uh, they drained the greenbacks. Did they just 
redeem them, or what they do? There were people put them in the bank. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they were like, well, you know, come get them. They're, you know, they get get dollars for them. They, they took them back out. They took them back out, but they gave. They must have given somebody something in return. What was the something in return? Dollars. Okay, so uh, the greenbacks they were, but they were in. They were denominated as dollars, weren't they? Yeah, but they're. they're I mean, essentially, they they just. You know, they they pulled the liquidity back out of the system and gave people like what silver certificates or something or yeah, actual yeah silver and gold certificates. So right. essentially, they lowered the money supply in that time in, that, in those days. Instead of just you know uh, uh, selling bonds and dragging that money out of the system, which they can do now, they actually had to go out and get the stuff because it was in currency. But so who exactly? Well, there, there was no Fed. Who did that? Was that the Treasury? Congress. Or? Congress, Congress uh, well, Congress ultimately has to do it in every case, even today. But procedurally, it was the Treasury. It had to be. Procedurally, it was Treasury. But but from a standpoint of who authorizes it, who makes it happen, it's Congress who makes it happen. Congress says... It wasn't just well, the Secretary of Treasury under the President saying, we got to pull this stuff out of here. Well, they, they, they can't, all spending bills must originate in the House. Well, I mean, but right now, so do all. So does all revenue. Well, if you don't spend the money, but you t- but you took in the taxes, what what does that do? That contracts the money supply. All right, but but right now, they don't have to go to Congress, the Fed, if they want to sell bonds or buy bonds tomorrow morning. Oh, on the contrary, where the, where do they get the bonds from? Well, the ones that, I'm talking about the, the the ones that they they have an inventory. The ones that are in the system. That's right. But what's the ultimate source of those? If Congress, if Congress was to stop spending in deficit, okay, I know that's a yeah. fantasy, right? Well, it better not be a fantasy someday because right now we can't. Well, pay well it. that's well, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's say that they were tomorrow, to, you know, hey, we got the the fiscal year's coming in another month, right? The end of the fiscal year, and we're okay, boy, we're still we're still spending thirty percent more than we're taking in, right? Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're blowing six and uh, we take in four. Uh, um, plus, well, while we have a few minutes here. Say what you're going to say, and then answer me the question: Why are receipts down this year from last year if everything's so good? Okay, well, the, yeah, I'll I'll get to that yeah. one. Um, so let's say that that Congress was to say we're spending four, we're taking in four, or we're spending six, but we're going to take in six. We're going to raise taxes by a sufficient amount to get six, whatever that was. Okay, uh, however we spread that out. Okay, um, now there would be no Treasury issuance other than rollovers, would there? Right. Okay, so what's out there would have to be rolled over because it matures. You issue a new one to replace the one that matures, but there'd be no net issuance. All right, so so now the Fed, uh, well, the Fed could slosh around from who's holding on to what, but they can't change the amount because they didn't create. Yeah, it. but they have a and, they have a massive balance sheet. Well, I understand that, but the yeah. point is the the amount of stock of that thing, just like the number of shares of IBM, is controlled by Treasury as a result of Congress's appropriations, always, everywhere, and never any other way. Well, except that the the Fed, and you and I go back and forth on this, but essentially they can go out and buy a bond and write a check without any money, and the check clears. They, they, that's how they make money. Well, that's that's true. However, if there is no bond... Right. Well, there's always okay. a bond out there that they can go well, buy. Well, I, you know, I, I understand yeah. that, but... I, but if they take the bond in onto their balance sheet, it's one that isn't circulating anymore. Right. And as a result, it drains funds out of the rest of the system. Exactly. That's the whole point. 
Well, uh, but yeah. th- okay, so who ultimately causes those bonds to either be issued or redeemed and ta- well, I, I agree. taken tra- out of the system? But it, right. But, it, but it, it comes down to, and we get this is a longer conversation, but it comes down to it's the two-step. The Treasury issues the bonds, that they, that, and somebody buys them, and then 30 seconds later the Fed buys them from the guy who buys them. So right, and, and, here, well, and here's the thing. Congress loves this. I can point the finger at somebody yeah. else. But okay, in, Treasury in, loves this. I can point the finger at somebody else, and nobody has has the you know the intellectual firepower to say, "Hey, you five hundred thirty five clown faces up in D.C. You're the entire reason this problem exists, and if you were to stop it, it would go well, away." Was, it's Kevin and my discussion earlier where you you are nobody would give the president or the Congress just the ability to print all the money they want. Certainly right. we give it to the president. But what, what we're happening, but if you have a, a Fed chair that's on board, it's the two-step. You can't right. go to McDonald's. And they're, you, and they're you, both yeah. doing you, you can't. But. I can't go to McDonald's, but you can go to McDonald's, and as soon as you come back with the burger, I buy it from you. I mean, it's the same thing. Absolutely. But the, but the reality of it is that when you get down to it, the bottom line is that Congress is responsible for every penny of it. And because that's where it right. ultimately all comes from. Now, you know, your other question that you raised, um, the high-frequency data that comes in, tre- actual cash deposits into Treasury for payroll taxes, has been on a downward trend now for the last several months. Those tax receipts, uh, you know, used to be that, you you know, for most places, you did that quarterly. You sent in the 941 along with your money, and you took it to the bank. You physically took a check to the bank along with that deposit. Not anymore. Now it goes in on the day that payroll was made. Right. And so that that data is extremely accurate and timely. It's not delayed. Now, the 1099 stuff is delayed to either when qu- people make quarterly deposits or when they file at the end of the year. But the the data from actual employers is is literally accurate to within the last two weeks. So thing can't, things can't be as swimmingly great as everybody says if those numbers are going down. Well, those numbers are going down. And yeah. yeah, I mean, the reality is is that uh, <laughs> if, if you think the, the labor market and employment is wonderful and everything is great and, and all the data in the BLS you know, tables tells you that this is what it is, well, then explain to me why Treasury is getting less money. Yeah, that's true. Carl, thank you, bud. Have a nice way. Are you uh, staying in uh, Tennessee for the weekend, or are you heading somewhere where there's Yeah, I was, I was up north a couple of weeks ago, and so, you know, I got that. Uh, I, I took advantage of the, the lull in the, the pricing. Everything was nice. And, you know, lodging was cheaper. Everything else, of course, isn't because, you know, inflation yeah. being what it is. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to hang around here. I, I got a couple of six-packs stacked back into the uh, fridge and some steaks, and it'll all be good. Good for you. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. SB Futures up 24 as their futures up 88, we, numbers weren't bad. We like it. Uh, I don't know what it means for the Fed. We'll find out uh, back on Tuesday. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. 
back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.